RadioInfluence.com. to Crush Performance with the Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 10-12-60 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. Welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. So glad you could join us this week. There are so many great things going on right now. It is such a great time of year inside and outside of sport. I mean, we've got the NHL playoffs underway. We've got the NBA playoffs kicking off. There's so many great things going on. And right here on Crush Performance, we are heading into episode number three of our Brain Game series. Of course, the Brain Game being one of our major themes over 2021. We're going to dig down deep and try to get a better understanding of what the Brain Game is all about. All the areas of the brain and mental performance as we try to establish the brain as a priority in setting our athletes and people up for success, regardless of what they're doing. We seem to be more reactive when it comes to the mental side of human performance than proactive. And I think if we can get a better understanding of all the areas that the brain encompasses in terms of performance, we can be much more proactive in setting ourselves up for success setting our athletes, our teams, our organizations up for success, setting our students, our employees, our businesses up for success. Because listen, this is a human thing. And that's why I get so fired up about the Crush Brain Game. It's a tall task, people. Listen, it's much more than psychology or the mental game of sport. It's perception. It's about learning. It's about memory. It's about how our brain functions in all of those areas and much more. It's about personality, decision-making. It's about how we develop over time, how our cognitive and mental processes develop in parallel with our physical side as we mature. Are there things we need to address along that timeline? Are there critical periods that need to be addressed as we develop? And are we doing the right things as athletes flow through the developmental process in sport? And if they haven't been exposed to certain things at certain times of development, can you make it up after the fact? Can you take an older uh, athlete or an older person and teach them a sport and get the same kind of outcome as compared to somebody who came through the developmental process over the years? Interesting stuff. Last week, we spoke with peak performance expert Wayne Lee about the subconscious and tapping into the subconscious. And listen, the subconscious, we don't talk about it enough. And that episode is just fascinating. If you haven't heard that show, please go back and listen to it. It's just an incredible conversation. And if nothing else, it'll probably get uh, get you thinking about things that you haven't thought about before. And that's our prime directive on this show is let's just get thinking about things. Let's have discussions. Let's bring up ideas and thoughts. Let's Let's look at the issues and roadblocks that we're facing and let's attack them with understanding and knowledge. And there's so many great people out there who have focused in and dedicated their lives and their efforts 
to breaking down certain areas of performance, putting it all together is so much fun. And today is no exception. Episode number three of the Crush Brain Game. We're joined this week by Crush favorite Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance in Calgary, Alberta. Dr. Samuels is one of the world's leading experts when it comes to sleep. And today we're going to talk to him about the restorative effects of sleep. Why sleep is so important. It's going to be kind of like a, a hitting a double or a triple in baseball. We're going to be getting more out of this show than just one topic. We're going to be hitting three or four of the very top priorities in crush performance. Listen, we're going to talk about sleep which is our number one priority right now for human performance. We're going to talk about recovery and regeneration, which is right there with sleep. And we're going to talk about the crush brain game. And then we're going to talk about how it all comes together to help human beings perform better. And when it comes to sleep in the brain, there's some interesting things we have to get to. You know, everybody kind of has the idea that when we sleep, everything gets peaceful and quiet. We go into this deep resting state where everything just relaxes. When in fact, the body is incredibly active during sleep, repairing itself, number one, recuperating, but also responding to what's going on in the brain. And while the brain is shut down from processing all the information that we're bombarded with all day long, when we sleep, the brain is hyperactive, repairing itself, channeling memories, getting rid of the garbage and locking in the important stuff that we've perceived over the course of the day. Truthfully, it's a, it's a really important time for learning. And that's why the way, we, the way we present information during the day to our athletes or our students or our employees, the things that happen to us over the day, um, are really processed when we sleep. And it's another reason that sleep is so important for human development, performance, recovery, and injury prevention. There's no doubt about it. The way our brain functions the day after a good night's sleep as compared to a restless or or rough night of sleep, it's two totally different entities almost. We'll talk to Dr. Samuels about getting good sleep, broken sleep. We're going to talk to him about the importance of sleep in the brain. I can't wait for this conversation, so why don't we get down to it right now? I am very happy to introduce crush favorite Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. Dr. Samuels, thank you so much for joining us here on Crush Performance once again. My pleasure, Jeff. Always a pleasure. Well, I'm so glad to have you on because we're sort of in this interesting time in in the show heading into 2021. We have two major themes, the uh, talent talent ID theme, which we'll be attacking this year. And right alongside in parallel with that is the crush brain game where we're addressing the brain and how it influences everything we do. And, and maybe the priority that must have in our hierarchy. We've been fairly uh, reactive there rather than proactive. So um, we know, Dr. Samuels, with our previous conversations with you, that sleep influences absolutely everything that we do. And I'll just preface that by saying I am going to hold steadfast that sleep is our number one priority when we organize the programs for our athletes. And I think you support that 100%. Um, yeah, yeah, within reason. <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, what do you mean? So, so let's clarify on that because, you know, I just had some, uh, I did a couple of presentations for elite athletes here and, and for the first time that people going, well, I'm not so much sure that sleep is the number one priority. And I'm going, okay, Hey, what a great opportunity to have a discussion because in my mind, if sleep isn't taken care of, it's very difficult to have success in anything else you do. Yeah. And so I think it's really important that, um, uh, the 
the brain obviously is a very complex uh, organ and um, sport is extremely complex. And when you mix the two, the requirements of the brain to perform at an elite level in sport, there are many, many factors that play a role. And I think in preparing for this conversation today, I sort of thought, um, how do we put this into context? And so you're, this is a good first question, a good place to start is, you know, um, my job with you today is to say, okay, you know, what role does the brain play? What role does sleep play with respect to the brain? And what do we know uh, in terms of performance in elite athletics? So I've given you the reference of the consensus statement, which, um, you know, leaves us all with more questions unanswered than answered. <laughs> but it is the state of the science. And um, so we need to be honest about that. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And uh, for everybody, we'll be posting the link to this uh, consensus statement uh, that's in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. It's called Sleep and the Athlete, a Narrative Review and 2021 Expert Consensus Recommendations. It's actually a great overview. And you're right. It does really let us know that we have a lot of work yet to do when it uh, comes to understanding sleep and its role in human performance, especially in sport, it looks like. Yes. Yeah. And this is really important. Um in sleep science, you know, and I'm dealing with many things, mental health, um, metabolic and cardiovascular disease, you know, sport becomes way down the list, for instance, um, in terms of uh, the money that gets invested in research and what we know. So there's a very small group of international researchers, which you can see um, in the paper. Those are the people who actually do the work. And it's just those of us who've decided to carve off part of our research agenda to do that. And so it's not a mainstay um, and we don't get funded, you know, well enough to do the research necessary to get the answers. It will take you know, when I started doing the work, I was relying on researchers who began doing this work in the 60s. Now, people like myself who began this in sort of the early 2000s are relying on the newer wave of researchers, my postdoc, um, Dr. Shade, um, and others to start keep building things up. And so we're now able to garner some research funding, which allows us to learn more, but we're still at the beginning for sure. Isn't that really interesting, Dr. Sam is, because, you know, in our talent uh, series that we're embarking on here, one of the things that we've learned and really understood uh, from the science and research is that the, the research on talent is actually very, very young as well. If you look at the number of studies that have been dedicated to understanding talent and talent identification, um, it's very, very limited. If you look at the time span, and there's a lot of activity going on now, I think, because it's something that we we value maybe a little bit more than we have before, but we're still in the infancy there as well. So, so you know, when we talk about the role of sleep in recovery, sport performance, and even learning, um, you know, I did your questionnaire. And for everybody out there, we'll be sending the link to this as well at the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. You can go centerforsleep.com. And under the education and awareness button, there's the athlete sleep screening questionnaire. So I went and did that because you and I have been talking about that for a number of years um, and uh, I had a sleep difficulty score of nine, Dr. Samuels. Maybe we could put that in context for our listeners. But, but before we do that, I will say this. Um, after I did the questionnaire, I got a, 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 a page emailed back to me that personalized sleep with personalized sleep recommendations that I thought was outstanding, like really, really good stuff. I, I really appreciated the feedback. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I think, you know, the 
athlete sleep screening questionnaire went through 15 years of work to validate um, it and it's now deployed and it's available on the website and we have an uh, an automated return based on the results so it gives the individual like yourself some sense of okay i have a problem or i don't and if i do have a problem it's in these areas and then the individual can just look at it and um, you can either contact us for a consultation or you can go see your family physician um, to pursue it further more importantly the bulk of athletes are going to be reassured they don't have a sleep problem and they can move on which was always our goal we are solely interested in finding that 10 to 15 percent of athletes who are struggling and getting them help because when we began this research that was the problem is that athletes were struggling but they had nowhere to go to get help they didn't even know if they could get help so they just sort of ignored their sleep and that's what we've changed in the culture of sports certainly in canada at an elite level is this is important and if you have a problem get help and so that's sort of our snapshot agenda for this uh and 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 we don't go any deeper than you know that at the start we just want to get people help who need it yeah, and that's great. So um, with my score of nine in, in terms of the hierarchy, um, I feel, you know, based on the feedback and, and some of the uh, points that I got in return that, that are actually quite re- re- very helpful, um, where do I sit in your eyes in, in, with a score of nine? Yeah, so I would say you have no problem. Yeah, okay. Thank goodness. All right. So, I'm going to sleep yeah, better tonight and- now. <laughs> Right. And the advice you're getting is basically based on some things that might have come to borderline, you know, oh, you know, maybe he has trouble. And I'm just speculating, uh, you know, falling asleep three nights a week. Well, that's not a terrible problem. But if you needed help, here's what you should do. Um, So so we've really refined the automated responses to almost anything. Um, that could come up, which was the work of my first postdoctoral researcher, uh, Dr. Amy Bender. And um, so, you know, now we're refining that. And we, um, one of the studies we did was with a thousand marathon runners in the, I think, 2016 London Marathon. So we've got a lot of data that we got using the questionnaire and all of the runners. Um, and so this is a tool we can use for research, but also clinically um, to help athletes understand whether they have a problem. This doesn't go to the question you're raising today, though. What is the role of sleep with the brain? Um, and, you know, I can dig into that with you if you want. Oh, no, absolutely. We're talking with Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance um, on their website, centerforsleep.com. You have a great slogan. Don't just dream of a better sleep, actually have one. And uh, that would be nice. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be really nice for everybody out there. You know, um, before we get to the brain side, like uh, when we talk about that article, um, that consensus, that 2021 consensus, there was a graph Mm -hmm. in there that I thought was really, really um, uh, informative. It's the the contributing uh, contributing factors for sleep disturbance in athletes. And it really does a good job of outlining all the different areas that you can be aware of if you're having trouble. I thought it was a really, really good schematic that they put in there talking about, uh, you know, all of the sport factors and non-sport factors that could, could be right. affecting your sleep. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think, again, that's, you know, in 10 years, that article is going to be a lot different. 
Um, so the, the starting point is just to get to educate people. And that's a good tool for educating athletes because they're not even thinking about it. I think more so now because sports like the NBA have played such a big role in promoting sleep health, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, and, and other uh, sports have done it. Soccer has done it in Europe. Um, so I think the awareness is there, but again, only at the higher levels of sport and our goal as you know, in Canada with the long-term athlete development program in Sport Canada is to get the the uh, awareness of sleep health at the beginning level in sport. And so we actually produced a chapter on sleep health for LTAD um, that is part of the program. Yeah, no, so smart, so smart. And things that I can relate to, you know, working with the Toronto Blue Jays and heading up their, their performance program for a number of years. And then, you know, consulting with Major League Baseball here internationally is also another interesting yeah. one because, you know, a couple of the major factors from the sports side here is, you know, the, the time of competition, high training loads, but unfamiliar sleeping environments, a big one. And when you're yeah. an athlete, you know all about that. Boy, oh boy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and we would spend a lot of time with the Olympic teams um, just talking about how to be flexible with the sleep environment and making sure that whatever you need for your sleep, you have with you. Yeah, that is some sage advice, no question. You know, we often say if you want to find out what to do, look to the pros if you want to know what to do, because they're probably doing it right. And that's a classic example, just being prepared right along with the idea that sleep is such a top priority that you have to plan for it and you have to be proactive with it. All right. We have to cut out for a quick break. When we come back, everybody will continue our discussion on the brain and sleep and human performance right here on crush performance. Stick around. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush Newsletter, podcast, and performance info at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. She broke his heart with a baseball bat, a man with a tendency to overreact. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Crushell. Reach out to us. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at crushperformance is the email. Follow me on Twitter at Jeff Crush and on all of the social media platforms. You can connect with us. Just search out Crush Performance. All right. Well, today is episode number three in our brain game series. The brain game, of course, is one of our major themes for this 2021 campaign as we work to decide if the brain should be one of the top priorities for setting our athletes and well, people up for success, no matter what they're doing, and to also better understand all the areas that encompass the brain game. It is a massive undertaking. One thing we do know, however, is the brain, like the rest of our body, needs to regenerate, and sleep is a big part of that. So today is kind of a double whammy for crush performance. You guys all know that sleep is our number one priority right now for human performance. And the brain game, we're trying to justify as one of those top priorities. So today we're going to be incredibly efficient and double dip a bit with crush favorite Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. Dr. Samuels, welcome back to Crush Performance. Thanks for joining us today. My pleasure, Jeff. Always a pleasure. So Dr. Samuels, we know a lot of very interesting things happen when we sleep. It's such an important time for recovery, which again is one of our top priorities, but I don't think a lot of people realize how important it is from a physical standpoint, but also from a neurological standpoint. We tend to think of sleep as this peaceful, quiet time where everything is just shut down and relaxed, when in fact, when we sleep, the body and maybe even more so the brain are incredibly active. Yeah. No, there's a a lot there. And so 
Um, shall I just go off? Oh Jeff, yeah, let us have it, Doctor okay. Samuels. Let it <laughs> unleash, unleash the beast. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah. You know, the restorative, <laughs> the restorative properties of sleep have always been a fascination to me. You know, and and I can feel when I miss a good night's sleep, and I also know when I sleep well. It affects everything that I do. So I'm going to sort of start. Um, I've got a structured approach to this for the audience. So um, I think I'll start with the behavioral aspect. So in other words, what is the role of sleep with respect to our behavior in recovery? And then I can go, you know, level by level down into how we actually study it and what that means. And I think that comes back to actually um, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, unfortunately, back to these watches that people are wearing. Right. Um, and I think it's really important to understand the implications of using these watches. So the fact is that <clears throat> there are two things you can do to disturb sleep. You can shorten it or you can disrupt it or you can do both. So if you're not getting enough sleep for what your brain requires, there are consequences and if you're getting enough, but it's broken sleep or poor quality sleep, there's going to be a consequence. If you have both, it's just the consequence is just magnified. So um, you need to understand that in, in North America, for sure, 30% um, of the population is wandering around with a five to 10 hour sleep debt per week minimum. Wow. And that that accumulates, though, over time. And and part of what we do is accommodate to it. So in other words, we actually mask that sleep debt by drinking coffee, energy drinks, taking stimulants such as Sudafed um, so that we can perform, but we're actually not recovering. And so people need to understand that you need your sleep to function at an optimal level. The problem is we're dealing with highly, highly skilled individuals who are highly competent, highly resilient, so they tolerate sleep debt to an, to an incredible level and continue to perform until there's a threshold effect and then their performance or their recovery, their ability to tolerate injury goes down and that becomes the, the quote-unquote breaking point. So by making sure the athletes understand that you know they need seven, eight, nine hours of sleep a night, whatever they need, that they're getting it consistently over the week and that their sleep is of good quality, um, all of which can be determined by the athlete. In other words, you don't need special tests or watches or anything. The athlete really needs to know um, first, how much sleep do I really need? Not what can, what can I get away with? And um, then is my sleep good quality? Or finally, do I have a sleep disorder? And the common ones in young athletes would be really insomnia. That would be the number one where they have difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep or finishing their sleep. And then the one that's common but often overlooked is obstructive sleep apnea in power athletes um, with large necks. That's the common finding. And they'll go on for years with um, rather significant sleep apnea, again, not knowing the impact of low oxygen at night for recovery and then poor quality sleep. So these things all affect recovery, but often aren't detected because they're not really looked for. Keeping in mind, though, that the prevalence of poor sleep or inadequate sleep in an athlete population is really no more than 10 to 15% of athletes. So 
most 80% of athletes have normal sleep, really. And that we've looked at carefully over time. That's a good number. 80% is a very, very good number because, you know, when you're out talking with your friends or, and, and maybe it's because I'm getting a little older, I'm not sure, I'm not sure here, <laughs> but it seems a heck of a lot more than 80%. It's such an important thing. And Dr. Samuels, I really do appreciate what you said about the use of, of caffeine with coffee or teas or energy drinks. I love what you said there, um, um, about, uh, um, you take it so you can perform. So you're performing well, right. but you're not recovering. That's a powerful state. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, like just take hockey as a culture, um, as a culture, it's embedded that energy drinks, caffeine, Sudafed are embedded in that culture and they use that for performance, uh, pregame. And it's, it's known right across the entire NHL. Yeah. And so by chronically losing sleep, it undermines the athlete's ability to recover through a season. Um, and that's the key factor. Um, they'll usually do well on the ice. That's not where the impairment comes. It's more in recovery from injury, um, also in their behavior. So when we restrict sleep, or which means not getting enough, or fragment sleep, the number one thing that's affected is our um, behavior. So we become more irritable and edgy. And then it can translate into, um, over a long period of time, developing into mental health issues um, or um, anger uh, control, um, inability to communicate um, effectively. So in team sports, that becomes really important. Um, and so, and over a season where athletes are traveling, which affects sleep um, and not recovering, these things can accumulate to a point where um, they're not optimal at the time in the season during playoffs when they need to be optimal. Um, so you can see really good players start to fail. And that's not across the board. Of course, there are some, most players are quite resistant to the cumulative effects of sleep loss, but it's real and it happens. <clears throat> Is that threshold you mentioned, that threshold, that sort of bottom line, of course, that would be different for every individual, of course, probably maybe based on, their age, like I just mentioned, or maybe their fitness levels, or also maybe what's going on in their real lives. Again, getting back to that that figure in the consensus, 2021 consensus yes. of a, of a right. non-sport related sleep issues like anxiety or, or performance yep. anxiety even, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Or just re responsibilities at home. So we deal with, of course, adult athletes who have families, you know, uh, um, Olympic athletes that have children and have jobs. Um, and so they have a whole other set of stressors that have to be managed. And as you take away sleep, you take away a person's ability to cope and then their ability to be resilient against stress. And that's what happens um, with sleep. So keeping in mind, we're talking more about what actually happens, the behavior, um, the effects, um, thinking is impaired and learning is impaired as well. And so those are the things that to an athlete are super important because um, they need to be like focus is the number one um, delineator between the winners and the losers who can stay focused longer um, is the athlete that's going to win. There's no, there's no question. And that's why I have a hard time moving off the mark of sleep being one of our top priorities for performance, Dr. Samuels. Hey, let me, <laughs> let, let me ask you this. Um, you know, would, would you consider, 
sleep, um, one of those controllables, perhaps, you know, when we talk about, and you and I have talked about this before in this, these COVID times, you know, we all feel kind of helpless, especially when it started carrying on and there was no end in sight. Um, Mm -hmm. we're trying to grasp onto tangibles. So one of our mandates in the show was to sort of give people some ideas or some tools or some things that they can actually latch onto and control to improve their performance and sleep for me is one of them. Do you think it's one of those controllables that we can latch onto? Like maybe for the person who doesn't know Dr. Samuels about the science and everything, all the experts at the center for sleep might know um, how, how much influence do we actually have over our sleep? We can really control this. Can't we? Well, I guess I, yeah, I would look at it from the reverse is that when people lose control of their sleep, it makes them crazy. Oh, okay, <laughs> they, right. They don't like it. <laughs> I, I you know, it. because sleep, yeah, sleep is perceived to be something that should just come naturally, even more than weight control. So weight is another thing that, you know, human beings want to be in control of. But sleep is something that people believe should be just natural and should just come to them. And when they lose control of that, it's very disturbing. So you're absolutely correct. Most of what we do here, um, we have three full-time behavioral sleep medicine specialists. Their job is to actually teach people how to gain control over their sleep mm-hmm. and manage it. And I would say during COVID, in the athlete population, what you see, and I do this, I follow this on uh, social media all the time, just watching the um, uh, you know, the Olympic teams and the national team athletes, you know, locked up in their apartment buildings trying to train and the just incredibly innovative things they do to stay fit when they can't go anywhere. And um, I think part of that too, managing that is their routine around sleep health um, because you lose it. Like you lose all boundaries um, when you can't do what you normally would do, go to the gym, you know, um, have your meals when you do have a nap and then it's all disrupted. So I think there's a tremendous amount that can be gained by uh, learning the skills of managing your sleep because In any case, with a more elite athlete who then travels, we teach them how to main how to maintain routine on the road. That's the number one thing we do. Oh, such great stuff. We're talking with Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. You can check out their great information and actually fill out the sleep questionnaire at the centerforsleep.com. Well, Dr. Samuels, you know, you, you, uh, the numbers, the information is so great here. You know, we talk about some of the issues, um, the irritability and some of the physical fatigue issues that we talk about when we don't get enough sleep. That being said, if we, if we know that's what happens, you got to think there's some pretty serious, important things going on when we sleep well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so now down to the next level is, so how do we measure this? Like, how do we, how do we get insight into this. And so we use the sleep lab and sleep is um, um, measured, quote unquote, by stages of sleep. And so um, when you go to sleep, fall asleep, you enter into um, light sleep and then deep sleep and then you go into dream sleep. And those cycles repeat themselves every 60 to 90 minutes through the night until morning. So that once we learned that <clears throat> back in the 60s, we started to use those sleep stages as a way to investigate sleep. And what we know now, um, 
so I would say sleep staging now is actually superficial investigation into the brain and sleep. We know much more. We have different probes for analyzing the sleep state as someone is sleeping. But what we do know is that all stages of sleep are important for recovery. Um, Non-REM deep sleep is the most important for physical recovery and metabolic recovery. Light stages one and two play a big role in cognitive recovery, as does dream sleep. And so these, this is sort of the state of knowledge when you only use stages of sleep. Um, there are different ways to measure these things, but there's no question that REM sleep, dream sleep, plays a big role in the consolidation of memory, but also in the um, nocturnal resolution of daytime stress. So dreaming plays a role, nightmares play a role in um, our ability to resolve internalized stress. And we're seeing that during COVID quite dramatically, actually. Um, there's been a huge rise in the um, incidence and prevalence of nightmare disorder um, during COVID because people are so stressed and not able to resolve that stress. Um, so those are some of the um, uh, roles that sleep staging plays. And um, some people may be aware of um, uh, the book written by, um, uh, oh, I can't remember his name, but it's Why We Sleep. Um, and his research actually looked into learning and memory um, and looked at the different stages of sleep and their role in consolidating learning and memory, which, of course, is critical for an athlete. Uh, it certainly is. And, and, you know, with everything that we um, are conscious of and everything that we do over the course of the day, even the things we're not aware of, they're all in there somewhere. And the nighttime is sort of when our brain breaks down, clears out the garbage, stores the good yeah. stuff and, and regenerates for the next day. It's such an incredible time of sleep. And, you know, if you didn't, if we didn't have this science, you know, sleep is, you know, always been thought of as this calm, quiet time where everything shuts down, but boy, boy, the, the brain almost goes into hyperdrive at night, just sort of cleaning yeah. itself up, so to speak. I don't know if I can go that simple, yeah. but well, there is, yeah. And there is research actually on what you just said, and this is relatively new in the last 10 years. We understand now, keep in mind, this is focused research on dementia and Alzheimer's disease, but looking at the, the quote unquote waste material that accumulates in the brain and how it's cleared and that waste material is in fact what is found in the brains of those individuals who um, ultimately are diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease and have um, post-mortem uh, biopsies. So, so we know that there's a lot going on at night. We know that um, when sleep is impaired, it, it increases the likelihood of individuals um, having, one, mental health issues, um, two, cognitive issues, and potentially um, developing dementia down the road. Um, so that's not firm. It's not a direct causal link that's been proven yet, but there's a lot of speculation and good research going on in the area to see if that link is causal. Um, so we know that these things are going on. And so that's a whole other realm that we, an athlete can understand that by understanding lactate buildup. It, it's, it's a very similar right. concept, you know, and um, the brain has to clear itself so it's ready for the next day. Um, and that's why 
the the behavioral ramification of irritability would be a sign to an individual, I'm not getting my rest and I need to do that. Oh, yeah. You know, we're able to ask such great questions now. I think uh, the knowledge base has gotten to the point where we know enough to really ask intelligent questions that are going to push us forward. All right, everybody, listen, we have to cut out for a quick break. When we come back, we are going to continue this incredible discussion on what happens when we sleep and why is sleep so important, not just for physical recovery, but for the recovery of our nervous system and our brains with Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance right after this on Crush Performance. You're listening to Crush Performance with Jeff Crushell. Get the Crush podcast, newsletter, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Maybe we just don't belong. I say we said it don't fly. Welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Episode number three in our Crush Brain Game series with Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. Hey, if you have any questions on today's show or questions about your performance or anything at all, if we can help out, let us know. Crushperformance.com is the website. Info at crushperformance is the email. All right, Dr. Samuels, thanks for holding on over the break. You know, we were just discussing the importance of sleep in terms of recovery from a physical standpoint, but also we started getting into the importance of sleep for our brain and our brain function. So many incredible things happen while we sleep. And you mentioned the discovery of the sleep cycles way back in the 1960s, and it brought to light a question that I really wanted to ask you while you were joining us on the show today. And that's the the concerns that we have over intermittent sleep for all the people out there who suffer from, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, falling back asleep, maybe waking up several times and napping through the day. I think there's a lot we can take away and extrapolate from the discovery and our understanding of the sleep cycles. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it's um there are there are quite a few. So the things I would highlight are first and foremost it is not critical that an individual has a uninterrupted sleep. That's that's not critical. Hallelujah. Um, it, Hold on. I just have to. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because yeah. that's been and, stressing any, me out. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah. At, at, at any age, you know, what's critical is that they get the sleep they need. So step one with the athletes is determine the amount of sleep you need to be optimally rested. Again, not get what I can get away with. Oh, I can get away with six hours. No. What do you need? Well, I really need seven and a half or eight. Well, that's what we need. You multiply that by seven and then you get the number of hours of sleep per week Mm. that you need. And then we strategize getting it. Now, if you have broken sleep and you're, you're awake for 15 minutes, but then you fall back to sleep, you should, that's just normal. That's not abnormal. It's abnormal when it becomes a problem getting back to sleep. Keep in mind, athletes are training at incredibly high levels. Um, They will have sleep disturbance as a function of their training. One, as a function of injury. Two, as a function of soreness. Three, so and then the psychological stress of being an athlete. So these are normal responses. So the question is, did they get the amount of sleep they needed? Could they make up with strategic napping in the afternoon? 
And this is what we do with the athletes is especially those athletes that are training two sessions per day where they have a break if they're full time and they don't have to go to school and whatnot or work. Um, we talk about strategic napping and the strategic napping is less than 30 minutes. Um, you know, in the late afternoon, which is the circadian low, sort of 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. in a neutral sleeper, someone who sleeps from, you know, 10 to 8, that window of time. Um, so these are very important strategies. Um, and it's really important to understand that in a nap, you don't want to enter into slow wave sleep because you want to take advantage of these light stages um, one and two non-REM sleep. So you don't want to dip into slow wave sleep because you'll wake up very, very tired. The, when, when you wake up from a nap and feel awful, that's because you've gone too far. And so um, we'll talk to the athletes about if you, if you can't nap for less than 30 minutes, you are chronically sleep deprived. There's a problem. And, and so go ahead. Yeah, no, very, very interesting. That goes back to maybe, um, you know, sort of level two, as you mentioned, how do we, how do we um, measure it? How do we measure this in sleep? That, that's a, maybe a, a good indicator of, of how we're sleeping. That's interesting is all yes. get up. Yeah. And so we give the athletes, cause these are things they can, that resonate with them immediately. You know, right. a hockey player, I'll tell you, oh my God, if I go for a nap, it's like four hours. And that tells me that they're accumulating sleep debt because their brain shouldn't want to nap that much. They're young, healthy. That just means they're not getting sleep at night, which they aren't because when they travel, you know, they finish a game in Chicago, they're leaving it. You know, they don't get home till five in the morning. Um, they're not getting enough sleep. And this is happening all season long when they're traveling, not now, but when they do travel. So that's a typical example of just cumulative sleep debt. Um, it's very similar to being a shift worker. Um, so their naps tend to be longer than we want them to. So we tell them if that's the case, you have to nap in 30, 60, 90 minute cycles. So you finish your nap in a lighter stage of sleep. That's the goal. And, um, you know, some of their watches have these apps that tell them when to wake up and whatnot. And sometimes they work. Um, but overall, the watches are of very little value um, for the athletes, to be quite honest with you. Um, other than to show them whether they're getting enough sleep, they're of limited value, to be very honest. Oh, my goodness. Such great information. We're talking with Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. You know, first off, um, you really put my mind at ease here because I think one of the things that was disturbing mm -hmm. my sleep was I was worried I'm not getting good sleep because I was, you know, sort of – I, I kind of was starting to get worried about my intermittent sleep, not getting that long, continuous sleep. So that's good to know. And I know that's going to help put a lot of people um, at ease. Uh, and yeah. second, I really like what you said there about those athletes who are maybe going, laying down in the afternoon and having these long laps uh, naps. I like what you said. Your brain should not want that much sleep. That's a powerful right. statement in there, Dr. Samuels. Yep. Yeah. So it's like your brain is like a bank. It's a sleep bank. It, it only needs so much. And so that long nap before a hockey game, which is part of the culture, um, I, I was uh, I was chastised for that after a long interview in the Toronto um, Star, I think it was many years ago, um, just talking about the napping culture in hockey. I just thought it was silly, um, but it is part of hockey culture and it has a a purpose. Um, but the problem is those long naps leave the brain um, more foggy and not focused than efficient short naps. Um, so 
you know, I think part of the pregame nap is to recoup the sleep debt, which it will be valuable. Um, but when it's when the athlete is not sleep deprived, those long naps are somewhat counterproductive. Yeah, I really like it. And I also like how you mentioned, you know, things that athletes can relate to, things they'll understand. Yeah. The idea that the brain is a sleep bank is a great context, I believe. It really, really is, especially when you talk about that sleep debt and our ability to pay back that debt through these strategic yeah. uh, napping plans, right? And more importantly, banking sleep for periods of travel and sleep debt. So you can do that. And that's actually been studied. So these are all the things we'll talk to athletes. They wouldn't know this, right? And and in some, time, in some cases, the athletes are intuitively figuring this out. We just tidy up their strategy. Other athletes have no clue and they're just randomly sleeping. And we have to work with them hard to get them into a routine that helps them manage that sleep loss as a function of just the life that they lead. Right. Well, no question about it. You know, um, man, what, what a great conversation here. And, and I, I, sorry, I've already got three pages of notes. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so if I seem a little distracted, it's because I'm taking notes, mister. This is like a, our master class in sleep here today. Dr. Samuels, thank you so much for this, for sure. My um, pleasure. Yeah. You, you know, one of the things that we're really dealing with in sport and, and, and unfortunately it's trickling down to our grassroots, even our young uh, uh, entry levels of sport is the idea of statistics, analytics, and all of these numbers that are just, you know, taking away uh, maybe the attention, the, in, the intended intention of our athletes uh, with, with the numbers and stats. You mentioned uh, the, the watches, the wearables, and some of the technologies that are now out there steering athletes, maybe not in the best direction. Yeah, it's concerning to us. We really work with the national teams to try and discourage them from promoting the use of the watches. So the number one rule, so we've only recently, just recently, and my postdoc is on top of this intimately, um, had data to suggest that one of the watches, um, I can't remember which one, is actually validated at a research quality level. So um, that's the first time one of these commercial ones has been um, validated. So at least there, we're getting some strength of evidence that uh, it, it, it meets that standard. Having said that, that to me isn't important. What's important is that um, athletes understand that the watch is not measuring sleep, first of all. Second of all, the, the stages of sleep and the metrics that they get are an estimation at best. And third, if you have a sleep difficulty, the watches are completely useless. Um, so they aren't of any help whatsoever. Um, so, you know, we have to use them cautiously because we don't want to undermine the athlete's confidence. So for instance, in yourself, Jeff, like you described, if, if you're having broken sleep and you're, you know, trusting your watch and it tells you you have terrible sleep because it's broken, I'm just like, well, no, that's not the case. And then if that athlete doesn't have a reliable person interpreting the data for them, uh, and putting it in context, they just come away with the wrong idea. And that's not healthy for an athlete. No, not healthy at all, Dr. Samuels. And I'm so glad you brought that up because I have experienced that exact scenario firsthand. Mm -hmm. One of the first things our athletes will look at is their sleep score on whatever technology they're wearing. Right. And if that score right. isn't good, their day is a disaster, whether, whether it was yeah. meant to be or not. It's been real, really tricky. So we've been limiting yeah. the, the use of it, but we've also been 
having serious discussions to set up the context of these numbers with our athletes. Right. Yeah. And it takes away their control, which is really bad. They, they, they hand over control of their understanding of their sleep to a device, which is absolutely counterproductive from a behavioral perspective, certainly in an athlete, they don't need anything more to worry about. And now we've given them these tools that are not accurate uh, and very, they have no purpose to be quite frank. Um, If an athlete is sleeping well, they're sleeping well. That's the beginning and the end of it. And they can figure that out. If they're not sleeping well, they should get help, not wear a watch um, because the watches are of no value whatsoever. Yeah. And you know, uh, and that, oh gosh, it's, that's such great advice, even for parents out there. Uh, yep. Dr. Samuels, yep. or even employers, because listen, this is this goes well. Look, this is life. This is much more than sport. But anybody who's been on the job after a baby crying all night, or a sick yep. loved one, yep. or something, has experienced this, and and to have a, a culture where it's okay to talk about sleep and being tired, I think we're there. We got to have these discussions now. Yeah, I just saw a mother today for herself, but she said she had a 15 year old son who was a national. Um, level um, climber, competitive sport climber, uh, 15 years old and using the one of these watches. And I said, take the watch away. Mm-hmm. This is a 15 year old. They can sleep. They don't need a watch. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Understood. Know, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, it is really crazy. We're talking with Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. Well, Dr. Samuels, look, the role of sleep in recovery, sport performance and learning. Boy, boy, this has been a masterclass so far. And I do like the warning shot across <laughs> the bow when it comes to the wearables. But also, you know, one of the things you and I have talked about on the show before was the use of the technologies prior to sleep, creating that sleep environment. Now, I believe, you know, one of the things we talk about with our athletes and even with my kids, we talk about, I I, I kind of say jokingly to, to maybe ease it up a little bit, but maybe to open up a discussion, I say, you have to protect your sleep, everybody. You, you know, you yeah. got to protect your sleep. Yeah. And then it opens up a kind of a cool dialogue about sleep environments and temperatures, lighting, but yep. also the use of that technology getting ready for sleep. Yep. Absolutely critical. It's the number one thing we work on now with all of the athletes is limiting their exposure and, um, you know, making them understand that it's very unhealthy behavior, um, at least prior to sleep, if not, you know, all day long, because their screen times can exceed 10 hours a day now with COVID and it's, it's not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. Dr. Samuels, you've been on the show a number of times. This, however, has been an, as I mentioned, I believe just an absolute masterclass in sleep. I want to thank you for this conversation today. (laughs) My pleasure. You know, one of the questions we get from our uh, audience after you've been on, you and I have been talking shop is, is, is it okay for me to go to the center for sleep? And I said, absolutely. It's for everybody, not just athletes. I know we talk about athletes in sport here, but the center for sleep and human performance is for anybody who's having issues with sleep and beyond. Yeah, and they can self-refer along with the athlete sleep screening questionnaire um, is a also a referral form and they can just click on it and refer themselves. They don't need their doctor. And, um, you know, we're here to help people and we want people to know that if they feel they're struggling, they should just reach out and get help. Absolutely. Yeah, fantastic. Well, you know, um, again, with our with our two main themes this year here on Crush Performance, Talent, Talent ID, uh, this conversation is meshed as part of that matrix. There's no question about it. But our second theme is the brain 
uh, and and the brain game here. And, you know, we referenced the brain a number of times here. Hey, I'd like to maybe uh, just sort of reserve a time to maybe talk to you more about what happens with the brain when we sleep. Because, you know, I think today everybody kind of got an, an idea that, hey, the sleep isn't this shutdown time for the brain. It's one of the most active yep. times for the brain. That would be a fascinating conversation if you'd be up for that sure. in, in the next little while. You bet. No, I'm happy to do it. Great, Dr. Samuels. Thank you so much for the conversation today. Such incredible information. I can't wait till the next time you're able to join us here on Crush Performance. Thanks so much. You bet. Thanks, Jeff. Okay, there you go, everybody. Dr. Charles Samuels from the Center for Sleep and Human Performance. What an incredible conversation. Listen, I have to say it one more time. This is an episode you've got to share with your friends, families, teammates, your workmates, your employees, whoever you're associated with. Look, we can't do it alone. If we are truly going to reach our top performance, we need everybody around us operating at a high level as well. And sleep is such an important part, again, not just for the physical side, but also for our brains, our brain recovery and our brain function. So important. And what a great Great episode for the Crush Brain Game right here. I can't wait until Dr. Samuels joins us again. All right, that'll do it for today, everybody. Coming up next week, episode number four of our Brain Game series, and it is going to be a doozy. I can't wait for this one. We're going to talk with Dr. Mike Mehta from the UCLA Department of Physics and Astronomy. Dr. Mehta and his team have done some fascinating research on the brain perception, memories, and how we understand and perceive location, where we are in space. Not only that, how do we lock in and remember locations and how to get there? Fascinating stuff. I can't wait for this one. And they've also done some incredible work on virtual reality and how virtual reality impacts and affects the brain. It may not be what you think, and we're going to get to the bottom of it next week on episode number four of the Crush Brain Game. Until then, everybody, get out there, stay safe, number one, have some fun, number two, and get a lot better. Talk to you next time right here on Crush Performance. Goodbye now. Don't forget to ride. This is a Rock Stops here with Rock Riley Quick Fix on Radio Influence. My guest is Jason Michaels. He played 15 years in professional baseball. He was in the bigs, most notably known Phillies, Indians. Was there ever a time at all uh, that, you know, waned in confidence or any, you know, the, the, that, like I said, that grind and probably you saw so many guys not make it as, you know. Funny you say that. I was just talking to one of my other uh, older clients as well, too, about that, that when I got to the, to the minor leagues, so out of Miami, I ended up signing with the Phillies and going to their short season. They don't have the short season now. I think they've done away with it. Right. Anyways, uh, I ended up going there, and I was the fourth-round pick. So, quote-unquote, I was supposed to be the, the highest-drafted player or the best player. I mean, whatever you want to say it. I promptly got my butt handed to me. Wow. Quickly. Wow. I, uh, I think I was, gosh, I might have been like 12 for 120 or – Maybe even worse than that. All I know is I remember looking on the scoreboard later in the season and it said point zero eight four, mm-hmm. no home runs, four RBIs. Ooh, you see and you that. want? I mean, it was um, very I, I, another humbling experience. It was an adversity that I haven't really went through yet. I just I don't know. I just kept grinding. I just kept staying positive. You know, they're flying, the Phillies are flying down different uh, minor league corner hitting coordinators to come, and nobody can really figure it out. You know, I'm just like, hey, just keep going. And 
uh, I end up turning like August second, I think. I end up hitting my first home run in the in professionally, and it was a grand slam. And I end up just, I mean, going on a tear that month. Nice. What, it, what, what it was, I have no idea. Baseball. You know wow. what? Yeah, exactly. Wow. And you know, I look back on it, and I tell my clients as well, especially my older ones. I said, guys, I, I mean, if I had an organization, I would want all of my players to go through some kind of adversity. The Rock stops here with longtime radio and TV personality. Rock Riley is found anywhere you find podcasts and radioinfluence.com.